0: This is the Rod Langway Fan Club. And welcome
1: to another edition of the Rod Langway Fan Club podcast. First quarter edition, I'm your host, Jeff Roman, joined as always by my co-host, John Snowden. Yes, I'm off to a hot start. Uh, We'll see how sustainable it is. It is a long season.
2: And unfortunately, this episode we're playing a man down. Yes, our co-host Mark Czechnita is indisposed. We put him on IR. Hopefully it's not long-term IR. We hope to have him back for the halfway show.
1: Yeah, so what do we got planned here?
2: Well, we're going to start off the show by talking about some of the early season stories and seeing whether or not they're for real.
1: Yeah, it has been an exciting first quarter. You look at the Washington Capitals, they've come out guns a-blazing. They're looking great. A few teams like the Dallas Stars, they've had a really bad start, but they've come back on. The Buffalo Sabres, they had an amazing start, but now they've really tailed off. Yes, and the
2: Pittsburgh Penguins and the Colorado Avalanche sustaining like horrible injuries. You'd think sort of season-ending injuries, but they seem to be keeping up and still in playoff spots. So we'll see how they end up. And next, we're going to talk about some of the more spectacular stories at the first quarter mark. So there's been some amazing things that have happened in the league, and we're just going to touch upon those a little bit.
1: That's right. And, I mean, we're just a little bit over the first quarter mark here. We're basically at the American Thanksgiving. So, happy Thanksgiving to all of our American listeners. Yes. And then we're going to finish the show with uh, the letters to the commission.
2: Yes, we are still accepting letters and tweets. You can still email us at rodlangwayfanclub at gmail.com, or you can send us a tweet at rodlangwayfanclub. So let's get into the first segment. Yes, we are going to start off with some of the early season mirages. Mirages.
1: Well, let's start with the Eastern Conference, and I would say probably one of the the biggest surprises. I'm not sure if it's real or not is the New York Islanders.
2: Yeah, so are they a mirage? Uh, it's tough to say. In, in preseason, uh, we all had different opinions. I think you were you you were the biggest supporter of them, and I was kind of on the fence. And and Mark, well, he he was not a big fan. Um, but they seem to just be getting it done.
1: I know. I mean, I guess we should have known better. But any team that's coached by Barry Trotz. With uh, Mitch Korn, the goaltending coach, I mean, these guys play tight defensively. They've completely locked it down. They've allowed the fewest goals against in the first quarter.
2: That's true. I mean, it's it's great to see. It's great to see these teams who, you know, maybe don't have the biggest superstars out there be able to play really good competitive hockey. Um, but they have slipped a little bit of late. So is this a trend we're going to see continue or...?
1: That's the thing. I mean, they, they picked up a point and I believe it was 17 games in a row, which is just incredible. Um, they faltered just a little bit on their West Coast uh, trip. But I think it's probably going to continue. I mean, if you're playing that stingy of defense you're going to win way more games than you lose.
2: Yeah. So, yeah, I, w- I would probably agree. I mean, I think they're going to continue to be one of the one of the better teams in the league. I don't know if you can put them up there in the elite, though, like where they've sort of been hanging around. They just don't have that top-end talent to no, see. No,
1: they don't. I mean, that's the thing is when you look at their roster, I mean, Matt Barzell's been all right, Brock Nelson, um, Josh Bailey. I mean, they've been okay. Anders Lee's been all right, but it's amazing. The whole is greater than the sum of its parts.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's it's nice that they're getting contributions from some of their depth guys like Broussard, Derek Broussard, and uh, Bavillier. Um, it's great. And then their D has been pretty solid. I mean, Devin Taves has been a, a nice addition. He, he seems has. to be one of their better defensemen, best defensemen probably so far this year.
1: Yeah, I mean, they've still got Nick Letty back there. They've got Ryan Pollock, who's been pretty good. Johnny Boy, Johnny Boychuck. Um, so they do have, a. I think they've got a bit of an underrated defense core.
2: Yeah, so we'll see how they stack up as the season goes along. But I I do think that they are for real.
1: I think these guys are for real. I really do. I think they're definitely going to make the playoffs. Um, As you said, I don't know if I'd put them in that top tier just yet, but we probably shouldn't be that surprised. And going in the opposite direction, the Toronto Maple Leafs find themselves out of the playoff spot as of right now. Um, Is that a mirage?
2: I mean, what a horrendous start. What an awful, awful start. And it's not like the team couldn't score. It was just, it seemed like they didn't care to try and play defense. They weren't keeping the fuck out of their own net at all. Um, But you look at the team on paper and you got to think that that really awful start is, it must be a mirage.
1: Yeah, I would think so. I mean, that that awful start cost uh, Mike Babcock his job.
2: Yes, but since Keefe has come in, um, it seems like they may have turned a corner, put together a decent enough win streak. And, you know, is this going to carry them back into a playoff spot? What do you you think?
1: I think that the Leafs are starting to find their game now. I think that uh, the change in coach has really helped them a lot. I got the impression the players were starting to tune Babcock out.
2: Yeah, and I mean, they, you know, they made some moves in the offseason, some big moves, and there was probably some adjustment to be made. And Babcock didn't seem to be the guy who was willing to make the adjustments necessary to get those, those new guys going. I'm thinking Tyson Berry.
1: Yeah, Tyson Berry uh, did not play very well to start the season, and he's really picked it up since uh, Babcock exited. Uh, Freddie Anderson also hasn't really played up to par. He's been all right. And the other thing, I mean, the Toronto Maple Leafs have had so many problems with their backup goalie this season. They're the only team in the NHL who has yet to get a win from their backup.
2: Yeah. And I mean, if Freddie's not playing up to his potential and you got no backup, uh, that's big, big time trouble. Um, And uh, God forbid Freddie goes down with an injury, that could really spell trouble for the Toronto Maple Leafs.
1: Yes. Yes. Uh, Matthews has been all right. The other thing is, with Toronto, is they have had a lot of injuries. Um, I mean, John Tavares has been hurt, Mitch Marner's been hurt. Um, they started the season. Zach Hyman was injured, and uh, you know Travis Dermott, a depth defenseman, was also hurt. So they really have not played a game yet this season where the lineup is completely healthy. I don't know if that's an excuse or not.
2: Um, I think it's somewhat of an excuse, but not for the level of play which was so low. I mean, it was very, very poor play. Um, I think if you want to be one of these elite teams, injuries happen, and you have to be willing to play through them and still find a way to, to win games.
1: Yeah, I, I would suspect that uh, during the final three quarters of the season, we'll see the Maple Leafs get back into the playoff picture.
2: Yes, I, I would assume so, too. I, I think that this false start is just that. It's, it's a mirage. It's got to be.
1: And another team in the East that I just find myself rubbing my eyes and wondering if this is a mirage or not, but as of right now, the Tampa Bay Lightning are out of a playoff spot.
2: Yeah, uh, with a caveat, a pretty big caveat, they, they've they played very few games compared to the other teams in the in the division.
1: You're right. They took a trip over to, to Europe, so they've probably got at least three or four games in hand on almost every team.
2: Yeah, so if, if they can string together a bunch of wins and they've been playing a lot better recently – Uh, you'd think they would be back in the playoff picture. But still, for a team who had such a superlative record last year, um, this is a pretty big disappointment.
1: And what do you chalk up their slow start to?
2: It's a very good question. Um, I think poor defensive play, much like the Leafs, though. Um, I do wonder if a lot of teams aren't sort of taken a a page out of John Tortorella's book from the playoffs last year and kind of figured out how to stop their utter dominance.
1: Yeah, because I know that... Kucherov, you know, he got off to a little bit of a slow start by by his standards, but he's really come on strong recently. I know that Stamkos has missed a few games now. He should be back soon. But it's hard to put your finger on.
2: Well, I mean, of course they were missing Hedman for, for a stretch at the start of the year. And he That's really true. is one of the most important players, if not the most important player on the team. So um, having him back and then everybody getting healthy and sort of finding their feet after the trip, um, this is the time. You know, I would say the next few weeks, maybe three or four weeks, where we will be able to determine, um,
1: you know, where they stand in the league. They've gotten some nice contributions from their free agent pickup in the offseason, Kevin Shattenkirk. Yeah, great start to the year for him. Great start. Yeah. And uh, Anthony Sorelli seems like he's another player that they found.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's no lack of of talent on the team. Now, do they need to be the class of the league through the regular season again this year? I I think the eye has got to be on the playoffs this year. Yes, maybe
1: they're pacing themselves a little bit.
2: Maybe they are. um, And maybe it's good that they're going through this adversity early on in the season so they can kind of work through these problems and, and find a way to win big games that actually
1: mean something. Yeah, I think this one is definitely mirage. I would be shocked if they weren't at the top of the conference when this is all said and done.
2: Uh, I'm not sure I would go quite that far, but I I would think that they're definitely a playoff team. Absolutely. I mean, them being out of the playoff picture, definitely a mirage.
1: And let's move on to the Western Conference. And don't look now, but the Edmonton Oilers are in the first place of the Pacific Division.
2: Yep, um, pretty incredible. You would ask me, you know... Two, three weeks ago, was this a mirage? I probably would have said, "Eh, yeah, I think it is. But, um, you know, you can't deny it anymore. Yeah,
1: Dave Tippett has these guys playing hockey again.
2: He does. Um, He's locked it down on defense and has let the offensive players do their thing. And, of course, they have enough of that.
1: Yeah, I keep asking myself, I mean, do they have enough secondary scoring? It's something we always talk about when we talk about the Oilers. And uh, they haven't really shown me that they do have it, but they just keep on winning.
2: Yeah, um, maybe they don't need it. Uh, I mean, saying that, the trade where they acquired James Neal for Milan Lucic in the off season seems to have worked out very well for them.
1: Yes, Lucic brought nothing to the table, and James Neal had quite an amazing start of the season. He's cooled off a little bit, but he's, he's in there.
2: Yeah, I mean, if they can just get him to contribute a little bit, that's that's all they need. Just to be a threat there on a second line. Um, yeah, I, I think this team is for real. Oscar Klefbaum um, has has had a nice resurgence. And how about the goaltending? I mean, Koskinen and Smith have been a nice tandem, and they're winning games.
1: Yeah, I was not sure about that duo at the start of the year, but they've been doing it.
2: Yeah. Um, Now, I wouldn't put them at the top of the division, necessarily, you know, when the end of the season rolls around, but I do think they are going to be a playoff team.
1: Well, if we're speaking of mirages, we've got to go out to the desert and the Arizona Coyotes. Yeah. This is a team that's you know, just over the quarter mark. They're just behind the Oilers. Are these guys for real?
2: Uh, I, I I can't see how. I really can't see how. I mean, especially like Phil Kessel, their big offseason acquisition, if he was scoring at a really great pace, you'd say, oh, well, they, you know, finally they got that elite top-tier scorer in place, and that's all they really needed. But he's not doing anything. I mean, he's on pace for, what, 40 points
1: or something? Yeah, it would be the lowest um, output of his career. And they're a little bit of like the Islanders. Um, you know, they're just doing it by committee.
2: Yeah, except they, they don't have a guy like Matthew Barzell. And, I mean, they have been getting great goaltending for the, from their tandem as well, much like the Islanders. But...
1: Yes, they know that's right. They've been getting excellent goaltending from Darcy, Camper, and um, Ranta.
2: Yeah, So, but I, I just don't think... I mean, they don't have Mitch Korn, who's been proven to do this. I just don't think this is sustainable.
1: Yeah. I mean, maybe they're just scared of Rick Tockett. Right. Uh, but he's been getting the most out of these guys. I mean, do you know who's leaving their team in scoring? Uh, I don't. Nick Schmaltz, um, which is just incredible. I mean, Clayton Keller's not too far behind, but wow, they're getting a lot out of this cast of characters.
2: Yeah, I mean, I mean, good for them. And, and the other thing is that the division is pretty wide open. The San Jose Sharks are not playing up to snuff, as are not the Golden Knights. So, I mean, with those two teams kind of floundering down there, it, it's wide open for a team like Arizona. And we've been waiting a long time for the, these guys to come online. Maybe, but I just don't see it.
1: Yeah, I think it's a mirage. I really, really do. Um, but well, let's stick out in the desert and talk a little bit about uh, the Vegas Golden Knights. Now, they have not gotten off to a great start. Uh, they've just climbed back into the playoff picture as we're just over the ha- the first quarter mark. Um, what's up with Vegas this season? Is this a mirage? They can turn it around, surely, uh, no?
2: I-, I think they're going to be in the playoff picture, yes. Um, I do have questions about their d That's been a question of mine for a long time. They're, they're kind of a no-name defense core, um, is it enough to really maintain that elite position that they've had for the last couple of years? What do you think?
1: I don't know if it is. I mean, but I love their first two scoring lines. Their first two scoring lines are great. But you're right, that they've been chipping away at that defensive depth uh, ever since they've entered the league. And now it's kind of catching up to them.
2: And the other problem is, much like the Toronto Maple Leafs, if you don't have a solid backup goaltender and you're relying on a guy who's, you know, in the later years of his career, Mark andre Fleury, who's also a very athletic goalie and relies on that athleticism, if that starts to fade a little bit and you got to start giving more games to your backup goalie um, and you don't really have one, uh, that could spell some trouble.
1: Yeah, Fleury was lights out last year, and uh, Malcolm Subban does not inspire a ton of confidence.
2: Not at the moment, not at the moment. He, he did get his first win uh, recently, so you know, maybe he can start to put some wins together. But, uh, you know, I do think Vegas is better than this, but not as good as they were last year or the year before.
1: Let's stay in the Pacific Division and talk about the Vancouver Canucks. Is this a mirage? They're they're probably a little better, a little sooner than most would have predicted.
2: Yeah, again, I mean, it's such a wide open division, right? Um, there's a lot of room for a team like Vancouver to grow into. Right, There's a lot of that top room where it's like, okay, well, these this is a young team, but with some great players. I mean, Quinn Hughes has been absolutely dynamite, especially yes. on the power play. He's been excellent. Yeah. What an addition. Yeah. So, I mean, that's great. They were looking for their bona fide number one. It seems like they may have found it.
1: Yes, that is massive for them. We knew um, Elias Pedersen and Brock Best were going to be good this season. But um, JT Miller. Yeah. He's fitting really well there.
2: He's fitting spectacularly. Spectacularly. Um, it seems like Tampa Bay might be missing him a little bit. But yeah, great addition. I mean, he's right up there in, in the top, I don't know, I'm going to say 15 in the scoring race, which is incredible. I don't think anybody would have picked him to, to be there.
1: And their goaltending tandem has held up nicely so
2: far? Yeah, so far so good on the goaltending front. It's tough to say again in that, in that division. I don't know where they would stand. Are they a playoff team? Maybe? Maybe? I don't
1: know. I'm not really willing to say one way or the other. What do you think? It's really hard to say. As you said, the division, they're just waiting for somebody to grab it by by the neck and take control of it. I'm not sure if Vancouver's the team that can do that, but I wouldn't be shocked if they did.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Tough call, tough call. I'm going to say slight mirage.
1: Okay. Slight mirage. Can I'm you gonna, have a slight mirage? I'm going to agree with your slight mirage there. Yeah, okay. Now, as we record, there are three teams that are outside of the playoff picture looking in. And I'm wondering if this is a mirage or not. We've got the Calgary Flames, the San Jose Sharks, and the Nashville Predators. Um, Let's start with Calgary. Obviously, lots of talk about the coach, Bill Bill Peters. But John, what's, what's their problem this season?
2: That is an excellent, excellent question. I mean, Johnny Goudreau got off to a very, very slow start. Awful. And and they need him. He also had a really terrible playoff. So really, since the end of last season into this season, he's just had a pretty terrible stretch of play. Um, so he's got to be better. Also, Mark Giordano, coming off a career year Norris Trophy winner, he has not been himself either. And I don't know, the team just seems to not really have that... that swagger that they had last year they were so exciting to watch and every time they had the puck it seemed like they were threatening now they just seem to come out flat almost every shift
1: yeah and you know last year their offense was so good but this season their defense has been poor and their offense can't make up for it and then what about the San Jose Sharks is this another uh mirage in California or what's going on with this team
2: I mean I I gotta be honest i didn't really like the look of this team on paper at the beginning of the season. I just think losing their heart and soul, Joel, Joe Joe Babelski, would be too big a blow. And Joe Thornton certainly isn't the player he used to be. Yeah, they got Marlow back, but you know, also not the player he used to be. I just and and Martin Jones, an absolute disaster back there.
1: Yeah, he's picked it up a little bit recently. Wow, did he start off the season bad. Yeah, absolutely awful. Um, You know, obviously Burns
2: and and Carlson, great one-two punch, but I don't think that's what they need.
1: Yeah, they've been a little bit inconsistent, Carlson's starting to pick it up a bit more, so is Burns. Um, You know, they're really relying on guys like Hurdle and Meyer, but they've never really been the guys before.
2: Yeah, and I just don't, I look at that team, and they don't have a the guy If you know what I mean, at all.
1: Yes. Now, they don't have a superstar, but I I really do believe this is a mirage. I I would be pretty surprised if the Sharks were not in the playoffs.
2: I would be a little surprised if they didn't make the playoffs, I guess. But again, in this division, it is really, really wide open. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not going to call it a mirage. I think that this team is not the team they used to be. And if they didn't make the playoffs, I wouldn't be shocked.
1: Okay. And uh, the last team out west, we've got to talk about the Nashville Predators. Now they started off all right, but they've been in a real funk recently.
2: Yeah, yeah. What's going on there? Um, it's a little worrying. Uh, the goaltending has not been great, and it's not just Pecorino getting older. It seems Saros has also been in a bit of a funk himself. Um, I don't know. What do you think the deal is in Nashville?
1: Well, it's kind of strange. As of right now, their top two scorers are both defensemen, Roman Yossi and, and Ryan Ellis. So I think that's part of the problem. Well, the defense hasn't been great, and they haven't been scoring a ton.
2: Yeah, it, but hasn't this been the story in Nashville for the last however many years? Yes. It's, you know, very, very great decor that manages to score a lot of points, but they don't have the offensive talent up front. Um, I mean, they they did get Matt Duchesne, and he's been okay. Yes. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't seem like it's enough. I I, I got to say, and I did say this in our preview show as well, maybe coaching change.
1: Yeah, I could see it. I mean, they're another team that I really would be surprised if they missed the playoffs. I think this is a mirage.
2: I, I would say so, too. I would say so, too.
1: Now, they're also playing in the Central Division, which we think is one of the toughest divisions in the league this season.
2: Super tough division, but I still think they're one of the better teams in that division. So, yeah, I got to think that they'll be in the playoff picture. Yeah. M- by mid-season, I'm going to say. And if not, certainly we'll, we'll be seeing a coaching change. That's my, my prediction right there.
1: All right. I'm going to hold you to it. All right. All this uh, hanging out in
2: the desert has made me hot and thirsty. Yeah, and I'm it's, parched. Yeah, it's you got a dry. canteen of water? Uh, yeah, let's, let's head downstairs. I'll, we'll, we'll grab that. Uh, uh, and uh, short word from our sponsors.
0: Nothing is more valuable than you and your family's security. Here at Elder Sibling Systems... Your security is our business. We've got the best home security systems. We've got a team of security enforcement agents ready to respond anytime, anyplace. We've got a network of security and information technicians that know you inside and out. We've got your phone. number. We've got your address. We've got your work history social media history and browser history we know the route you took to work this morning we know what you did in vegas and why you had to burn those pants we are watching you right now so give us a call the numbers on your screen just hit dial don't delay we've got Your best interests at heart we've also got your pet
1: and we're back thank you to elder sibling security
2: yeah they provide us with a nice safe oasis uh we've been enjoying their their safe secure environment here in the studio and uh well we can't really afford not to
1: yeah that's right (laughs) Now, you know, John, we're just over the uh, first quarter mark, and there have been certain things that have been quite shocking and maybe even eye-popping.
2: Indeed. Things that make us say, oh, my
0: rod. 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 rod, rod,
1: rod. All right. Nice little intro music there, John. Thanks. Well, if we're talking about Oh My Rod, we got to begin with the Edmonton Oilers and their dynamic duo of Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. They have just been killing it to start the season.
2: Yeah, it really is something to behold. Uh, We haven't seen a duo like this on on a single team since the 1990s. We got to go back to Mario Lemieux and Yarmer Yager, two of the all time greats.
1: Yeah, these two guys. I mean, the sky is the limit. Could we actually see them both get 120 points each? It certainly seems possible.
2: Um, well within the realm of possibility right now. Uh, I don't. I don't know if this pace is sustainable, but I, I don't see barring injury, a way that they won't both break 100 points. Yeah. I and mean, Ed, they did last year.
1: That's right. Yeah. And, and Edmonton certainly needs it. They did not get a bottom six goal uh, from their bottom six forwards, I think, until about the 12th game of the season.
2: Yes, that is incredible. Absolutely. Oh, my Rod.
1: Rod. But they are not the only dynamic duo in the NHL this season. Just behind them, in the the scoring leaders, at number three and four, we have Boston's Brad Marchant and David Pasternak.
2: Yeah, also an unbelievable duo. I mean, what do you think about Pasternak there?
1: Oh, he's, an, he's amazing. I mean, through the first 25 games, um, he's had 23 goals. Yeah,
2: so, I mean... Threatening fifty and fifty potentially. I mean, <laughs>
1: well, potentially. I don't think he'll get there, but you wonder. Could you know? Could he get 60, 70 goals?
2: Yeah, potentially. Potentially. This yes, is, yeah. absolutely. He's threatening, and his linemate Brad Marchand. What an amazing career trajectory he's had. Uh, age twenty-seven to go from a sixty-one point player. To an 85-point player. What a jump. Yeah. And then next season, to go from that to also get 85 points, but only in 68 games. Again, huge jump. And then last year, to go 100 points in 79 games. And then this season, he is on pace for a whopping 140
1: points. I don't know what they're feeding that guy.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Hopefully some grass-fed something.
1: Yeah, but it is remarkable.
2: It really is. And and just behind these four guys we just talked about, Dreisaitl, McDavid, Pasternak, and Marchand, is uh, a defenseman, John Carlson of the Washington Capitals. What an unbelievable start he has had to the season.
1: It is incredible. It seems like he's in on almost every goal the Washington Capitals score. I mean, what's he on pace for? He
2: He's on pace for
1: 113 <laughs> points. That is definitely, oh my rod. I mean, we've only seen five defensemen ever crack 100 points. I'm sure you can probably guess who number one is.
2: Oh, Mr. Bobby Orr. Yeah,
1: Mr. Bobby Orr, who did it six times. Which is unbelievable. Oh, what a guy. Yeah. Uh, then we've got Paul Coffey, who did it five times. Dennis Potvin, Al McGinnis. And the most recent, 91-92, was Brian Leach.
2: Which is not very recent at all. I mean, we're talking decades. Three Three decades. that That is unbelievable. That is, oh, my rod. Oh, my rod.
1: Yeah, I'm, I, I don't know if he can keep it up, but, I mean, he could at least do a point a game, you would think.
2: You would think he, barring injury again, like, yes, absolutely. If he doesn't do a point per game, I think we'll be a bit disappointed.
1: Yeah, props to John Carlson.
2: Oh, my rod.
1: And let's stick with defensemen. How about the start of this season for Kale McCarr, the rookie for the Colorado Avalanche?
2: Well, this might actually be something really special here. Really, really special. I mean, he is still hanging around a point per game at this point in the season, which means, I mean, we got to be thinking about this as though it's a real thing. And um, if he manages to do it, shockingly, he will be the all time leading rookie defenseman
1: in terms of scoring. That's right. He is going to take a run at uh, Larry Murphy, who holds the record for most points by a rookie defenseman. Now, he got 76 points in 80 games back in the 1980-81 season.
2: Yeah, I mean, this is this could be absolutely historic. I mean, talk about scoring being up. This is this is definitely oh, my rod.
1: Yeah, when you look at Kale McCarr, when he came in last season, you know, he just was in the national championship game. He wins the Hobie Baker Award, comes into the playoffs, and scores a goal in his very first game. Yeah, it's amazing. It
2: is amazing. I mean, he was obviously built to, to play hockey.
1: Now, throughout this first quarter here, we've seen some incredible goals. I just feel like players, their shots are just keep getting better and better. But there were two goals specifically that really caught our eye.
2: And amazingly, they were just a couple days apart. Um, First one being Andrei Svechnikov. He had attempted it once before and was unsuccessful. But the second time around, he managed to pull off the lacrosse goal from behind the net and buried it in the top corner without going over the crossbar. Never seen in the NHL. We've seen it in in other leagues and in minor hockey and stuff like that. But uh, to do it in the big leagues, that's oh my rod, I would say.
1: Absolutely. He's a really talented kid, and for him to, like you said, pull it off at the NHL level, it's spectacular.
2: Yeah, and didn't another player uh, in Europe or something do that the same night?
1: Yeah, that's what's so amazing about this whole thing is the same night in Sweden, uh, a gentleman by the name of Nils Hoglander, who's a Vancouver Canucks prospect, did the same thing.
2: Yeah, that's crazy.
1: Yeah. What are the odds? Serendipity.
2: And then, just a couple days later, uh, an amazing overtime game-winning goal by Matthew Kachuk.
1: Yeah, either one of these goals will probably be the goal of the year. Yeah. Um, So, Kachuk basically picks up the puck right around the hash marks, and he goes between the legs and puts it top shelf to win it.
2: Yeah, and kind of like a snapshot I'm sure everyone's seen it already. Yeah,
1: I know. Like for a lot of people who were, you know, in the building, a lot of people didn't realize what had just happened. It wasn't until they went back and they watched the replay that they could really appreciate the greatness of the
2: play. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I was watching that game live and I I thought, oh, wow, cool goal. What happened there? And then in the replay, you really realize what he had done. You know, stick between the legs, snapshot, top shelf from the hash marks. Unbelievable. Never seen anything quite like that.
1: Yeah, I've seen a few guys go between the legs, but nothing like that. That far out, it's amazing. Yeah. And
2: especially to, to do it over time, polish off the game, amazing.
1: And, you know, we still have about three quarters of the season left, and I'm sure we're going to have a lot of Oh My Rod moments.
2: Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it.
1: So what do you say, John? Do you want to kick a tune? Sure. Was DJ Shadow with High Noon. What's up next, John?
2: Well, you know exactly what's up. This is Ask the Commission.
1: Oh, yeah. Sorry, sorry. What was the question? I would totally veto that. What kind of league are we running here, anyways? I'll have to consult the rule book on that one. Remember the trade guidelines. Can we get some friendly questions here? You guys have got to dress your you players got to dress your players you got to dress your players you got to dress your players.
2: this is everybody's favorite segment this is ask the Commission. you can ask commissioner jeff in anything you like if you want to get your questions in send us an email at rod langway at gmail.com or send us a tweet at rod langway fan club all right so what do we got going on here Well, we have a tweet from Huckleberry Fine, and he writes, any thoughts from you guys on Don Cherry's dismissal from Hockey Night in Canada?
1: Well, thank you, Huckleberry. I have to say I am deeply disappointed. I don't know. Don Cherry, for me, I grew up watching him as a kid. I remember so many times when I turned on the television. I looked forward to Hockey Night in Canada with Coach's Corner, Don Cherry. And I'm a little bit sad that it had to end like this. I mean, he's 85 years old. I happened to watch this segment live on TV and I turned to my friend right when it happened and I said, I think this is going to be bad. Little did I know that he would be, it would be the end of an era.
2: Yes, it is the end of an era. And, you know, it is sad he had to go out this way. Um, I think it was past his time. He probably should have called it earlier. There is no question what he said was was unacceptable, especially in this day and age. You can't you can't get away with saying that, and um, you know he should have just stepped down earlier, and we could have avoided all of this.
1: Yeah, you know I almost think like when when Sportsnet took over the CBC and HockeyNet in Canada the broadcast that maybe they would have just sort of let him go quietly. They decided to keep him on, and to have it end like this, it's just sort of it's just it's disappointing.
2: Yeah. Um, Unfortunately, this is a situation where, you know, the world has changed and what was once acceptable is no longer acceptable. And Don Cherry has been saying this kind of thing for a long time. And certainly it seems we've entered an era where people really need to consider what they say, who they're saying it to. How it will make other people feel. And I I just don't think racist comments or comments that can be considered as racist have any place in this era.
0: Yeah,
1: he. I mean, I don't know if Don Cherry is necessarily racist. He's certainly not politically correct. That's certainly true, yes. And um, the time has probably come for him to move on. I used to love all the Rock'em Sock'em videos, and I, there was a time when Coach's Corner came on and I just begged everybody in the room to be quiet. I wanted to hear everything that Don Cherry had to say, but he is from a bygone era, really. Yeah,
2: and I mean, the Rock'em Sock'em things, I mean, you know, we all love that stuff growing up, but also that is stuff now, which would be totally unacceptable. I and mean, watching big headshots and knowing about concussions and all of the repercussions of that stuff, um, this is the kind of thing that just doesn't fly anymore, and for good reason, right? For good
1: reason, you're right. I mean, I, I will kind of miss him as, as being a Canadian. He was a really patriotic guy, and I don't think that we've ever seen a Canadian like him on television, nor do I think we will. I don't know, man. I think he probably is confined best to the dustbins of history, but I do think he did make a contribution at one point.
2: Well, absolutely. And I mean, to speak in his favor a little bit, he did love the game of hockey and always supported people, Um, especially like, you know, he loved junior hockey and would always get out there. And so his love for the game of hockey was something infectious. And as kids and as hockey fans, it's something we we should appreciate. But as you say, probably time for him to to be resigned to the end of that era.
1: And, you know, speaking of coaching uh, methods, you look at Mike Babcock and the firing of Mike Babcock, and some of the you know the ways that he tried to get through to his players is just unacceptable.
2: Yeah, I mean, the, the whole thing with Mitch Marner, uh, I, I will say it seemed a little overblown as most things in Toronto are, uh, but to get him as a rookie to write a list of hardest working players to least hardest working players and then to announce that to the rest of the team, it's just a very, very, well, I'm gonna just say stupid way to approach it and also unacceptable i don't know why you would do that and you know these coaches probably do deserve to be exposed to this kind of scrutiny now
1: i have never seen people pilot on a coach like they have since the firing of mike babcock it seems like everybody is coming out from the woodwork just to pilot on this guy and some of it seems like it's deserved But some of it just seems like so over the top.
2: Yes. I mean, well, it is Toronto, let's remember. And they they tend to pile it on pretty thick. But yeah, I mean, but again, a situation where when you do hear about it, you're like, well, yeah, that, that is kind of crazy. And why are you doing this? And that is unacceptable. If this was another job, another workplace, people would be up in arms about it. So, yes. But,
1: you know, coaches have always done this kind of thing. I mean, sure. coaches are always trying to squeeze every last ounce out of their group yep. to win a championship. And that's the thing is, if you're successful, people will will allow these things. That's they'll, right. will just get by. But if you're not, then the knives come out.
2: And that's the hypocrisy of the whole thing. Um, but I do think we need to look at it like a workplace because these people are, they're just employees and they're, I mean, they're making a lot of money. They're well compensated, but still, I mean, to be treated like that is probably unfair and ill-advised. Yes. Yeah.
1: But I mean, you look at Scotty Bowman in the hockey world or Phil sure. Jackson. I mean, apparently these guys, a lot of these guys are real tyrants. Yeah. Uh, but if you're winning, people let it go. That's if you're true. not, they don't. That is true. Yeah.
2: Um, and you know, another big coaching controversy in Calgary surrounding Bill Peters. Yes. Um, another moment of reckoning and... Uh,
1: What he did, what he's alleged to have done um, in the minor leagues, um, I think it was almost 10 years ago, Um, is
2: unacceptable. Yes, it is unacceptable. I mean, I do think this is a good thing that this stuff is coming out, and hopefully people start to get in line and sort of realize that, okay, you know, these are the lines that we cannot cross, and we have to stay within these boundaries, um, interestingly, um, we do have a related email. Uh, this is from our old pal Leroy in Vegas. Leroy. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Fan of the show. Yep. Leroy from Vegas. Um, so we're hearing from him again. He says, word around town is that Evander Kane racked up some serious debt at the casinos during the shark series against the golden Knights. Controversy seems to follow this guy around. Would you feel comfortable betting on him going forward? Oh, geez.
1: Yeah, Vander Kane. Uh, Vander Kane. I cannot believe he racked up these debts at the casinos during a playoff series. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah, what a guy. Uh, but then you look at Eugene Melnick from the yes. Ottawa Senators owner who yeah. racked up a bunch of debts. And isn't he suing the casino owners? Uh, yeah. Well, they're suing him. They're suing yeah, him. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Um, I mean, Evander Kane, wow, where do you begin with this guy? Yeah. I mean, the debts are unbelievable. Uh, I mean, you remember the, the the last preseason game? Yes, yes. Um, when he got the suspension for the first thing, it was the first four games of this year. Although I really do feel like that linesman was completely out of hand. I don't know. I, I kind of come down on his corner like... He gave him a shove. He if you did. watch if you watch the replay, he gave him a, a shove. He did. Which yes. was totally uncalled for. If you put your hands on an official suspension automatically, that's it doesn't right. matter.
2: Yes. Yeah. I mean that that's the thing. He put his hands on the official,
1: so he must be suspended. But for that official to fly across the ice and tackle him like that, that was weird. It was weird. And, I mean, so so this is a guy who... Controversy could, always follows this guy around.
2: It does. I mean, you know, being a Jets fan, he was a former Winnipeg Jet and left under some questionable circumstances. Yeah, didn't him
1: and Dustin Bufflin get into something?
2: Well, they did. I mean, uh, you probably remember Evander Kane turned up to practice wearing a tracksuit, um, which is just not on. You, you know, you wear your suit, you look your best. And so Bufflin threw his tracksuit into the shower and... And um, that was kind of the end of it. I mean, it didn't take long. Certainly at that point, the Winnipeg fans were not on board with him. And it seemed like he was on the outs with the team. And shortly after that, he was shipped out to Buffalo. Yes,
1: that was pretty much the beginning of the end for him. Well, speaking of Dustin Buffalo, the fact that he didn't even begin this season and his whole injury... Yeah. Wow. What a fiasco. What a fiasco.
2: I mean, I actually don't really know what to make of this. I I feel like there's a piece missing from the story. I feel like there is something that we don't know about. But what a crazy story. I mean, he's saying that he has a hockey-related injury and that the team has to pay for it. And the team has been, you know, they've been keeping shtum about the whole thing. Um, But I I just don't know how it's going to play out. And unfortunately, like, the Jets are still, you know... They they have this huge hole in their defense. It would be lovely to have Bufflin back, or to be able to move on from him and, and maybe grab somebody else. But right now they're in kind of no man's land. Yeah, it's a bit of a disaster.
1: It is, and uh, they really miss Dustin Bufflin. But you know, going back to Evander Kane, I mean, how much does racism play into this? Do you think?
2: Well, I mean, I think it absolutely does play in. I mean, sports reflect society and these guys do put up with stuff. There's no question. I mean, Wayne Simmons with that thing with the banana thrown onto the ice. That was absolutely disgusting. And and listening to what they must go through all the time. I mean, and what Bill Peters did too. I mean, yeah, this and Devonte
1: Smith-Pelly yeah. with the whole basketball thing. It is disgusting.
2: Yes. And so this is something we need to keep in mind as hockey fans. Like these guys do have to put up with a lot of stuff. And hopefully there is a culture shift whereby people sort of understand that this is no longer acceptable. And you have to give, I mean, hockey should be a game for everybody. And we have to understand that including people in sports is just as important as including people in society.
1: Okay, John, what do you have next?
2: Well, we have another email here from John Gregory Patrick. And he says, uh, I guess he just wrote this, this just came in. He said, love the Oh My Rod segment. As a Sens fan, it seemed pretty oh-my-rod that John gabriel Pajot is up at the top of the league in plus-minus on a team that's struggling desperately to keep the puck out of the net. I think you guys missed the boat on this one.
1: <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> up to the minute. You know what? We did miss the boat on that. JPG, you got to give them props. I mean, the Ottawa Senators are one of the worst teams in the league this year. And look at JPG, man. He's still doing it. And for his plus minus to be near the top of the league when his team has a bad goal differential... Props to him. Yeah. that is an oh my rod. Well, we did
2: we we missed a couple. Let's be honest. We can't. I mean, we can't talk about everything. But uh speaking of plus minus, he's right up there with Zdeno Chara.
1: Yes, you're the right. Ageless wonder. Exactly. We can't yeah. talk about everything, but Zdeno Chara to be 42 years old and to be right at the top of the league in plus minus and playing
2: all those minutes. I mean, he's he's still playing tons of minutes there in Boston. He's on one of the best superhero.
1: The guy during the off season, like he climbs Mount Kilimanjaro. So what can you say about Chara? He's a freak of nature. As
2: is Ovi. I mean, we got to mention Ovi too. Yeah. If we're throwing out names. Yes. Alexander Ovechkin. I mean, what a guy. He just scores. He just scores. He's a machine. The Russian machine never breaks.
1: Yes, and suddenly some of those goal-scoring records might not be so secure if he can keep this up. Well, as we said, I think we said last season, I think Gretzky's still unlikely,
2: but we'll see. We'll see. I I, kind of think Ovechkin, when he tails off, he'll tail off pretty hard.
1: But you never know. I mean, you never know.
2: He is an amazing athlete and a great
1: competitor hockey player. Well, cheers. Thank you for that, though. Yes. Okay, John, anything left here?
2: Uh, no, I think that's about... Oh, hang on. Something has just popped up here. Maybe somebody's listening live.
1: Uh, Email? Uh,
2: yeah, yeah. Let me just uh, give okay. it a little click here. Congratulations, what is, what is Bag of Sucky. You've been had by the Brad Park Appreciation Society. Your what? server and all of its contents have been locked. Brad uh, oh. Park is twice the man Rod Langway ever could be. Your program will shut down in five... Uh,
0: this is
1: bad. Four. Yeah, this is Okay um well thanks for Three. thanks for tuning uh, in everybody. Two. We'll see you at the halfway on. point. One. I hope you had yourselves a time